Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to today's World in 10, where we delve into some of the stories featured in the Times of London, hearing from the people behind them. I'm Jenny Barsby. Coming up, the refugees plucked from obscurity in Africa and promised a career on the catwalk, only for some to end up back where they started, often in heavy debt. Also, the man who bred the first American XL bully dog tells us they're not the vicious monsters made out by politicians in the UK. Plus, the Welshman heading to the US, hoping to break the cat record. All that coming up in the next 10 minutes. It's the stuff of dreams. You're spotted by a model agency, told you'll be a star, and within months walking down the catwalks of Paris, even more so if you're spotted while living in a refugee camp in South Sudan. But according to a Times of London investigation, it can also be the stuff of nightmares, with some of the models ending up back where they started, but owing thousands of euros. The World in 10 caught up with Hugo Daniel, one of the reporters who worked on this investigation. And he told us how the people in the camp are desperate to escape and see modelling as a way out. But many don't realise how the industry works when they sign up. The model industry works on a sort of debt system, so their flights and accommodation are paid for and, you know, while the agency tries to find them work, but if uh, they accrue a debt um, and these models, some of them go back to the camp and and, uh, haven't been able to... You know, make the money to pay that debt, but but the agencies aren't chasing them for it. They say, and that they lose hundreds of thousands a year on, on on not just refugee models, all models that they that they try and launch. But obviously, it's a bit more difficult for people being put back in a refugee camp. It's it's very extreme and hard for them. The agencies also say that what they're doing gives refugees the chance of a better life. It also increases diversity on the catwalk. But Hugo told me, for those who don't make it, it's disastrous. They feel that that they weren't treated that well, being put back where where they were from and and, and have not got any money from it and not, you know, that they're still in a very difficult, hard situation. So um, it's really sad for them in in that respect. And And they were told, you know, this could change your life. And they really, really hoped it would. And, you know, people are asking the question of whether these agencies should be you know, doing more to help them. There are, of course, success stories. Take Mari Malik. She's a South Sudanese model and former refugee who now lives in New York. She told the Times of London that having models from refugee camps is a good story for the industry, but also says the fashion world needs to wake up and ask itself at what cost its diversity and inclusion policies are having on young African lives. In response, Mari is setting up Runways to Freedom. It's a group to support refugees working in the fashion industry. You can read this explosive article now by taking out a Times subscription.
There's been a row brewing here in the UK over the past few weeks about the American XL bully, which has led to the government deciding to ban the breed at the end of the year. The move follows a number of fatal attacks linked to the dog, but has descended into a row about identity politics and the right to love your pet. In today's Times of London is an interview with the man who first bred the XL bully, Dave Wilson. He's from Virginia and claims they're misunderstood and were not created to be aggressive. He spoke to Katie Gattens from the Sunday Times News Review. The idea was conceived in the 1990s and it took about 10 years after a lot of generations of breeding, selective breeding, to to really create a breed that he said had a bodybuilder aesthetic but was very gentle and docile. That was the aim. The dog comes in four sizes, standard, pocket, classic and XL. The XL can weigh more than nine stone, that's 60 kilos, is strong enough to overpower an adult. It's now claimed the breed is responsible for 43% of dog attacks here in the UK. But as Katie explains in her article, there are concerns about the statistics because they rely on witnesses identifying the breed correctly. That can, of course, be very difficult. And according to Dave Wilson, the dogs that are attacking are cross spread with an ever wider pool of breeds including mastiffs, rottweilers and the banned American pitbull terrier. He says that means they no longer have a cuddly temperament but are now aggressive. It's really disheartening to see that some particular element in the UK is shining a bad light on everything that is not built for that you know so I would love to invite people just go to the show guarantee you you're going to think differently about the dogs. They're really as sweet as they are. Although he's based in the States, Dave Wilson says he now plans to try and overturn the ban here in the UK. well over four centuries since William Shakespeare trod the boards in London, but thanks to a recent discovery, it's been revealed the bard branched out and went on tour. Renovations at Sir George's Guildhall in Kings Lynn in Norfolk have uncovered a stage dating back to the 15th century. My colleague Amy Gill is with me. She's read the story. Amy, how confident are you that Shakespeare really performed there? Well, the short answer is very. Thanks to the sampling of the wood and examination of the construction type, archaeologists were able to date the stage back to the 15th century. Shakespeare is thought to have performed there around 1593 when London theatres were closed because of the plague and his company, the Earl of Pembroke's men, went on tour. The building's account book also shows that his company was paid by the borough to perform at the venue. But there's more. And it later links to Hamlet's famous soliloquy, Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. As the theatre's creative director, Tim Fitzhigham, explains. We have two books published in Shakespeare's lifetime that record an event which it says took place in the theatre in Lynn, Norfolk. So it's quite specific. Uh, And the event is said to have inspired William Shakespeare to change the plot of Hamlet. A lady was sitting on the front row of a play called The Murder of Friar Francis, 
and she was with her new second husband. She screamed out, I did it. I killed my husband. We're told Shakespeare hears this story and he then turns that into, uh, oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. So the stage itself was actually hidden underneath two other stages, one from the 1950s and another one thought to have dated back to the 18th or 19th centuries. This is unusual because often when new stages are constructed, old ones are typically torn up. We had a whole plan that was running forward and it was going really well and we thought we were doing brilliantly and then suddenly, bam, you know, we discover this flaw. It's not just a flaw that Shakespeare trod. It's not just the boards the bards trod on. It is also the largest existing 15th century timber frame floor left in the entire country and it's about the size of a tennis court so it's a really big floor and suddenly bam we've got it there we found it it's confirmed and now as a project team we've just got to step back we've got to take breath just got to go okay this is a major archaeological find to have a look at the pictures of this amazing find, head to the Times website where the story is covered earlier this week. Amy, thank you. Now for a complete gear change. This is the Cannonball Run. America's illegal Grand Prix. And it doesn't matter how you get there. It's who gets there first. Now that takes me back. That was the trailer for the 1981 action comedy movie Cannonball Run, starring Burt Reynolds. It's about a group of friends racing from New York to California. The stuff of movies. But it is actually a real race. And despite it still being illegal, two Welshmen have attempted to break the record and their story features in today's Times of London. For some context, the route, which begins in New York, is 3,000, give or take, miles long and takes the drivers through Pennsylvania, Ohio, Utah, Las Vegas before ending in Los Angeles. Alex Hannaford has written up this incredible article and told the world in 10 there are surprisingly few accidents. There's never been any fatalities and there's never been any very serious accidents, certainly none involving any other car. They're all very good drivers. Yes, they do these incredible speeds, but they liken it to the Autobahn in Germany. They're not sort of getting road rage in in traffic with people. I think, you know, on these cannonball runs, if there's traffic, they just wait till the lane is clear and then they kind of zoom ahead. Alex first met Tommy Davis, the son of a sheep farmer, and his co-driver Steve, not his real name, before the race began and was then able to track them on an app. He was going through Pennsylvania, I believe. He was doing 105 miles an hour, then 119, 124, 131, 133, 136. And this kind of went up and up and up. And the last time I looked at the app before I went to sleep that night, he was doing 157. Despite doing those crazy speeds, Tommy and Steve were fortunate enough to avoid the police and completed the run in just over 30 hours. You can read all the hair-raising details of their mammoth trip online now. And that's it for today's World in 10. We're back tomorrow. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.